And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Chris Honeywell is an internet loudmouth. I love spaghetti westerns, but could we get a fish and chips western? Hated and reviled by his few remaining friends, he catches the attention of Thomas DJ, perhaps the world's most cunning supervillain. Ensconced in his ultra-scientific hideout, with only his robot army and stunning assistant to keep him company, DJ springs into action. See? Virginia, use the molecular transmigration beam to bring this fool to me! Virginia trains the hellish mechanism, and with a clap like thunder, and in a blinding psychedelic light, Chris Honeywell stands before his tormentor. Normally, I do not suffer fools, but I see beyond the yawning chasm of ignorance that is your brain and the endless sluice of sewage which is your mouth that they form a basic animal intelligence that I may be able to mold to my own devices. Uh, okay. Therefore, in my mercy, I offer you two choices. Instant painless disintegration or you study grindhouse movies at my feet now! Choose! Uh, I choose not disintegration. So be it. In one month, I shall assign you a movie to watch and will summon you again. Be ready, or the consequences shall be swift and merciless. Right, but how do I get to the... Now go! And thus began one of the most dangerous and unpredictable endeavors in evil sciencing. The Honeywell Experiment! Virginia, summon the subject! No, 
no more coffee. No, Virginia, take it back. You don't get coffee either. We are coffee. We are a coffee-free town in this in this part of the world. So, hey, you know what? What? I was in a rock band, so I'm technically a a a, rock, a, a, a guy from a rock band improvising on your show. Well, then you could have been in straight to hell. The 19- I don't think my teeth are bad enough. Well, some of the, some of the people Courtney Love had all her teeth. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I yeah, I'm not British either. Yeah, so I would have been on the the, the like, American. Neither was Dick Rude. Yeah, his teeth were okay too. You know. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or I guess if I was in a British rock band, I'd have. Yeah, you'd have bad teeth. And, and Cy Richardson wasn't in a rock band, but he had, but he was in this movie, and he had uh, great teeth. He had great teeth. Yeah. And uh, this is now. Now this is the the most stretchy I've made our remit because this is not technically a grindhouse film. But no, was, but you could make an argument for putting it adjacent, you know. Well, it is supposedly a an adaptation of a 1967 spaghetti western called Django Kill. If you live, shoot. Um, it, apparently Cox got permission to do the adaptation, but I'm somehow doubting that the English Butler. Yes, Elvis Costello. <laughs> the, the camels. Well, no, that uh, according to I in in one of the most like serendipitous mm-hmm. th- podcast things, I I was going to pick up some food and decided I'm just going to stop in the used bookstore, give it a quick, what you know, I only had a couple minutes to to give it a once over, and I literally walked right over to the like movie section. And there was, um, it's called X Movies. It's Alex Cox's memoirs of his 10 movies. And uh, so I was able to like open it right up and read the Straight to Hell segment. And Mm -hmm. uh, I guess, I guess um, it's not as much an adaptation of the Django movie as much as he wanted to cop the style of it. He wanted to cop the visual. I guess it had a a more unusual. the spaghetti western look where it was more bright color not bright colors but lit lit and there there's color sprinkled throughout and it just sort of had a different look and he sort of liked that look and and the the um approach to sadism <laughs> and other than that this is the first film doesn't have much going on yeah this is the first film i've ever come across which had a sex and cruelty consultant and that was a real credit. I, it could have been a joke, but they 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 hired a guy on to be like, mm. okay, what do we what do we do with this guy? And he would he would team up with the actor to work on their 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 death. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this was uh, I, this is one of these films where the background is almost as interesting as the film itself. In that 
This yeah. was a Alex Cox was hired originally to accompany Joe Strummer and a number of other musical acts on a concert tour of Nicaragua. However, politics being what they were down there, it soon became untenable for them to go down to Nicaragua to do this concert that Alex Cox was supposed to do a documentary on. But they had money! So what could they do? Um, what could they do with a with million dollars that it was earmarked specifically to uh, make a movie? Well, make a movie in Spain that is nuts. Am I, am I, yeah. do I got that right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, well, now, uh, once again, I'm going from, from the, the, what, what, uh, it, it, Cox wanted to do it for, for 70 grand. He, his, his, his uh, idea for it was, you know, find, find himself and, you know, he's, he was discussing that the, um, you know, the, the naivety of, you know, I'll, I'll get 10 dentists to put in, pop in seven grand a piece and you know and but you know he laid it out you know i mean that's the good thing about low budget movies is if they do well you know they can earn a dentist money for the rest of his life so you know that was his plan and then it got to nesmith and and he'd been shopping it around he'd been talking to like dennis hopper and harry dean stanton and and you know just and, and it got to michael nesmith and michael nesmith he was hoping Michael Nesmith would bank it, and Michael Nesmith was more of like, and you know what? I might be getting a little more confused with Repo Man, cause but yeah, it, yeah I'm getting I'm getting my Repo Repo Man wires crossed. Yeah, that, yeah, that I I, I think that actually you're you're right. I'm just I'm, I'm I I was reading the Repo Man chapter at the same time oh. as the Straight to Hell chapter, but um, okay. yeah, they just they 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 had and. And you know, from the reviews of this movie and the movie itself, <laughs> you would think this was a hellish production. You know, hot weather. It, it's it's called first off straight to hell, which is the name of a yeah. crash. Law. Alex but Cox it, was Cox was sleeping on. You know where Grandpa was sitting up on that ledge. That's where Alex Cox, Cox was sleeping at night. <laughs> and, but. He described it as he he had a great time. It sounds like everybody had a great time doing it. There were hard parts of it, but it sounds like one of his more fond filmmaking experiences. Probably well, it, because he got to hang out with all his friends, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's, all his friends. It's sort of like the indie version of um of uh, <laughs> what what's his name um oh, oh what the hell is his name oh I'm so I'm. Adam Sandler. I, I'm so happy that I could forget his name, and also alarmed that I can forget his name. But yeah, it's sort of like it's sort of like a more a, a better version of Adam Sandler's. Get your friends together, and mm. and this sounded more like a creative venture too. It sounded like he he let everybody, and that goes to your improv <laughs> theory. Yeah, I'm convinced. So much of this film, which is very aimless, by the way. It's like every ten minutes or so, a plot shows up. Something to yeah, to, to introduce ten more characters, right? 
Um, but it, it definitely ha- it reminded me also of an of a film by I think it was. Just a sec, I'm going to look this up because I think it was it was. Uh, I, I want to get the 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 filmmaker correct. Um, Wayne Wang, Wayne Wang film called Smoke. Yes, yes. I was trying to think of that director's name this morning. This reminds me a lot of that. We got all these guys here for another movie. Let's just yeah. do some footage of them talking and being and you know. Yes, I remember seeing Smoke in the theater and th- and it, and it was a similar thing. It was, re- it was a a good movie by a good filmmaker. But there wasn't a lot to it, you know. This this is not Repo Man or or Sid and Nancy. It's 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 more fun. It's more him having fun almost. Yeah, you you get the impression that that Alex is sitting down with uh, Joe Strummer and the Pogues and Elvis Costello, who is kind of hanging out with the Pogues because he was married to one of them at the time, and going, "Well, what do we want to do?" Yeah. No. It, and and when, Steve McGowan goes. I want to be a Mexican bandito. Yeah, they, now, they found those mariachi <laughs> costumes in one of the buildings, the the buildings there, and and the the guys were just like, we want to wear these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's. I can see why it didn't do well, though. Oh yeah, no. For one, a I think it's ahead of its time, and I don't think it would have done well. I think this is a '90s movie. Yeah, this is like five to six years ahead of its time. I well, you you're oh, gonna yes. have to take me to my grave to t- to yeah. convince me that Quentin Tarantino did not get Samuel Jackson's character from Pulp Fiction from Cy Richardson in this movie. They could almost be the same. This could almost be the origin story of where Cy Richardson's character is actually like the only one who escapes from hell to go back to wander the earth in Pulp Fiction. It's it's uncanny, and the same thing with in Repo Man. The what the one character Kevin is basically Napoleon Dynamite to a T. You know, right? Well, you know, Tarantino has never been um, afraid or ashamed of borrowing other people's ideas. Right? Don't you think this would be a movie that Tarantino would have checked out when it came? You know, in that time period, an indie movie by Alex Cox that's based that who's also a big Carbucci fan. You right. Know. I, I I never realized. I found out that the the woman who played the receptionist in Repo Man at the Repo Lot is the female lead from uh, The Great Silence. Ah, I never knew that till I I was looking in the mm-hmm. book, and I'm like, that is awesome. Uh, yeah, but that, I mean, this is like uh, this is like a night that that '90s like it's a tribute to spaghetti westerns, but it's just like let's throw the story out and just do you know we're riffing on the style of it, you know, because right. it's got a lot of the stylistic things, but then it's got the 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 sort of it, it's kind of more like '90s rebellion sort of style, you know, like the scene where they're they're all talking and the one woman goes, "Elvis is king," and then they both look at each other and then look away. <laughs> it, it 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 could it 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 could have been like a 1996 1998 movie, and people and I think the reviewers would have contextualized it more, would have understood it more, although. 
you know, it's it's not like one of those movies where it's like I want to watch this five times to understand it. Although I would watch it again for sure. And I'm sure there's there's things I I know it's packed full of stuff because it's at Alex Cox. I already found the uh, I I already spotted right off the bat the the um, south of the border version of the tree the the green Christmas tree car fresheners hanging in the store. It amazes me that there is an alternate universe where Alex Cox decided instead of doing this, going on this journey. He made three amigos. Oh my God! Could you imagine an Alex Cox three amigos? <laughs> it would have been I, cast differently. <laughs> That's mind sure. wobbles. The mind wobbles. Well, you can you can bet that it wouldn't have. Um, it could have been the same. It could have been the same three amigos in this. Just just X out. Uh, I gotta say, Courtney Love has one tone. <laughs> Well, I think Courtney Love is meant to be have one tone in this. Film. No, I mean Courtney Love. Period has one tone as an actress, which is and it and it worked once in the in the um in the biography of Larry Flint, where she played right. a, a, a harpy heroin addict. Mm-hmm. This, oh my God, yeah, she just grates on my nerves in this, which I'm I'm she's supposed to, but oh. Right. Boy, oh boy! <laughs> there are there are certain characters who literally it was just like Alex said. Can you make it down to Spain for a, for a day? I'll put you in this movie. That's the only way I can explain the fact that literally Dennis Hopper and Grace Jones show up for about what three minutes. Hmm. I I I'm picturing that. If they really took the, the they're in hell concept mm. of this, which they only sort of half-heartedly do it, I mean that that would be when the devil comes in, and the his name, the character's name was also a corporation, the name of a corporation that that worked yes. with Nazis and produced a lot of their weapons and mm. Zyklon B and stuff like that, an American company. So that you know, and then oh yeah, the suitcase, and it had the. What a just what a strange role for Grace Jones. I mean, the Dennis Hopper. That's a Dennis Hopper can do that in his sleep role. Same with Grace have, Jones, but just weird. For anything, he, drunk, high and not high. He was game for anything. Well, like I, I mean, yeah, it's a great concept. And Dennis Hopper's the devil, and Grace Jones is the devil's concubine. You know, and they're they're American tourists who are just show up unplussed into the middle of this. You know. Wars, you know, just about to be a war zone and and hands out some heavy weapons. But it's, you know, it's like uh, he was saying he really wasn't, you know, there's there's politics thrown into into Mm. this. But there's sort of the same level of like just sort of distrust of the rich land. This the sort of stuff you would see in a spaghetti Western. So, right. He wasn't he wasn't going it like, you know, usually he does in a in a movie, but. There's just, it's just, I mean, it's never boring. It's always, there's always something. Well, I would slightly disagree with you. I think that the improvisational nature of the film shows in those stretches between the plot. As, as it is. (laughs) The the plot, you could write the plot down on, on half of a napkin. 
But um, you're right about one thing. Everybody is enjoying the fuck out of themselves. Yeah, and they they were you and and you know when when this movie was getting screened and Alex was he was working in pre production on his next movie, and mm. like Joe Strummer was going to the screenings and and well, asking swore. people what they thought, and he wrote yeah. him a letter saying, "Look, I haven't told anybody this, but nobody knows what's going on with this movie. I have mm. a couple ideas of how you could." You could fix it. One is a narration, and then he wrote him back. It was like, no, you can't have a narration. It's just not part of the form of a spaghetti western. And then he, then Joe Strummer sat down, and came up with some, you know, reshoots to do that they mm-hmm. just couldn't get the money to do. But he, he's like, he sent me, you know, sixty pages of notes, or he, it was basically a six foot piece of paper with notes on it, and, uh, and he's like, I sat down and considered it seriously he's like he was such a you know integral part of the movie that i'm you know took it serious which is which usually it's funny because usually when you're reading these these kinds of books he would be just sort of like oh the rock star wrote me and had some advice but you know uh, but alex cox was like no i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna he, he was like i actually would have liked to have of it was a it was a really good well thought out idea and yeah. That's the thing is there were there were levels of acting and he tr- you know and he tried to find things that people could do well and 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 just sort of turn them into that role. And you know, I mean there was a, the one scene where the three guys are are they're they're inside the the one of the buildings and three guys are coming and menacing him and one of them is just doing a a, a sadistic little laugh that's totally sounds like a rattlesnake mm-hmm. and like so ev- between every line of dialogue it's 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 peppered with these little rattlesnake it, it's it's just nice nice little touches but he he adds those touches but at the same time it's sort of in an alex cox movie and not in a in a you know in a in a in another, in a, in a straightforward spaghetti western, it'd be dark outside and there'd be shadows, you know. And this, it's just, it's just sort of straight on, on, you know, sort of real. It, you know what it reminds me a lot of uh, Popeye, the Robert Altman Popeye, mm-hmm. where it's just a cast of thousands of the director's friends mm-hmm. overlapping each other. There's musical sequences that are actually really, really good. Um, I mean, for God's I, sakes, look, look at who you got here. You've got members of the Clash. Um, you know who's saying the, who the guy who's saying Delilah is? He's the guy from Re- he's the 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 guy with the driving the car from Repo Man. Okay, but I mean, you have you had the Pogues, you had uh, members of Amazulu, which nobody in America remembers. Uh, the Circle Jerks. Yeah, of course it's going to be a musically good film. Elvis Costello. It, Elvis well, that's Cost- funny. It, it would, the guy who sang Delilah had no musical <laughs> training and was just not a singer. And Elvis Costello, like, and I was watching it and going like, oh, poor, poor Elvis Costello. Because this guy's just like, he's like, he's not, he's not singing in time with the song. You know, he's not hearing the song in his head. He's just singing through the lyrics that Elvis Costello is a good, is a great musician so he's able to to keep keep up up with this guy's tempo and and rhythm changes all the way through just stoically it's it's beautiful 
it makes it's it probably goes over the head of anybody who's a musician you know who's had to like do that with somebody like a musician who's had to do that with somebody who doesn't know how to sing (laughs) but it's it's you know there's it's just peppered throughout with great little little things of weirdness where where the one woman takes a shower with all her clothes on yes (laughs) just one of the just bizarre bizarre see weird weird slapstick comedy where the where you know joe strummer's making out with the the now here uh, there was a script but improvisational wise the the Mm. guy who played the storekeeper i guess was one of the big big influencers he basically took his part from just like that one scene and he he came up with all the escalating of that guy going more psycho and becoming more like Rambo, you know, the end till he's like Rambo with a knife in his teeth. Right. Hell, so definitely has, there was a lot of that in the movie. He has the last line in the movie, albeit through the uh, mouth of a stop motion skeleton. Yeah, two stop mo- two very nice, I might add, stop motion scenes in it. Just. The first one being just almost totally disconnected till the end. It's just that one shot of the wolf. It looks like something out of a Tim Burton movie. Mm-hmm. And then you just and then and then it's gone <laughs> after that. And it was it was full of stuff like that, you know. So I love I love how money just gets spread across the ground at all times. <laughs> yeah, have money. It's just it's just flying around them. Um. um. I have to admit that this is the first time I've seen it since I saw it in in its original theatrical run. And that was an interesting experience because I think there was just stunned silence. Yeah. Out the film. I can't see I can't see how like like it would appeal to a segment of Alex Cox fans which hmm. really only had Sid and Nancy and Repo Man up to this point and maybe people who are you know fans of spaghetti westerns and it's only going to appeal to sort of like a segment of either of those and and it's like segments of two niche audiences he said the only good review he ever got was in a Seattle paper when it came out Every, everybody <laughs> else produced. I remember the reviews weren't terrible they were just like obviously you know this is this is not a movie with the you know the care money and time put into like you know repo man and and sid and nancy and it's you know it just was described as a misfire but nobody said it was terrible you know i i sort of compare and contrast this one this one and lust in the dust sort of came out within the same within a couple years of each other and lust in the dust just got drubbed Right, and, which I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard it's better than than its reputation, and mm-hmm. and this this one, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, when you when you watch it, it's there's 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 uh, I don't know, I couldn't find anything to to like dislike about it, but it's it's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's it's a fun, it's a lighter, it's a light Alex Cox movie. <laughs> And as such, yeah. it's fun. Um, I love, I love just the like at the end where they lure with, during the you know when we finally get to the bloodbath, that that 
they lure in the the guys with the coffee pot and mm-hmm. on the soundtrack you're hearing the, like i was like what the hell why what is that and i'm like that's the sound from the Folgers commercial. And it's this sort of like glunky synthesizer that sounds like percolating coffee. And I'm like, oh my God, he, he swiped, they, they swiped the Folgers theme in this one scene. It was hilarious. And I love that they're all coffee addicts. They're coming back from town, dragging a motorcyclist and pulling a cappuccino machine <laughs> victoriously off their car and taking it into the, the bar. We have cappuccino, boys. It's it's uh, the two things I remember most vividly from that first viewing was Cato Riordan singing Dad, Danny Boy. Yeah, I guess they rewrote yeah. some of the lyrics for that too. Yeah, the and the did. line, "No, I'm sorry, you're just gonna have to throw rocks." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the one that the the one cop is is one of my favorite character actors who always turns up the real the really skinny guy with the mustache. He was he's the guy from Pee Wee's. He's he's the guy. Well, he was a biker in the Pee Wee's Big Adventure during the. I say we let him go. <laughs> he's like no. But, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's it's it, like all those. Uh, it's like all Italian movies. Cops don't get take, taken seriously. No, no. <laughs> but I mean, it's like everybody was involved, no matter how much their how much they could act or not. Because mm-hmm. Jaramush, who is the villain of the, of the film, Amos Duke, Dade, uh, yeah. is an actor. I'm he, sorry. He, 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 Alex, Alex Cox said he had great, um, he, he had great hopes for him to be that role. <laughs> Originally, it was, they were thinking out uh, Hopper for him. But then, right. then they got Jarmish from it. He's like, "Ooh, Jarmish will will chew the scenery in this." And uh, it didn't. He he was like, "Yeah, he's not much of an actor." <laughs> no, he is not. No, he is not. Visually, oh, visually, he's okay. He's like a sort of like a second-rate David Johansson looking guy, you know. But David <laughs> Johansson could have chewed that up really good. <laughs> he's like, "What would have happened if they they did like a clone chimera of?" David Johansson and David Lynch. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and I have a great admiration for Jim Jarmusch as an as an act as a director. Yes. I love his work. I, I even will partially defend the de- uh the the most recent film, his zombie film. I will more than partially. I loved that movie. I I, I at first I was like, hmm, where's this going? And then as it went, I was like, this is the most refreshing zombie movie I've ever seen. And it's and it's hilarious. And it's you got the impression once you got impression, just much like this film, Jaramouche went to his buddies and said, what have you always wanted to play? And like, you know, Tilda Swinton said, I want to play a Scottish samurai mortician. Funeral director. And, and like, do it. And guess what she did? She made it work. <laughs> it's yeah, a joy. Like, Every everybody's a joy in that movie. And it's and it's you know it it just rips on every it 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 rips on every little trope of the zombie movies. 
And then it rips on every little meta trope that that's finding its way into everything by by doing its own little little that, meta thing. Oh, sorry. Jarmusch has now done his vampire thing, and he's done his zombie thing. I heard the vampire I, thing is is really good. It's real. It's very different from the dead don't die, but it is really right. really no, it's, good. It's I, I heard it had a more serious approach to it. Yes, it's 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 a fairly grim film, but uh, I, I what what horror character do you want to see him take on next? I want to see a mummy movie from Jim Jarmusch. Ooh, that would be fun. I want a Jim Jarmusch mummy movie. And one day, when I when I have the world in control, I will order him to do one. With Bill Murray as the mummy. <laughs> and once again, I will ask him to ask Tilda Swinton, what does she want to play this time? Ooh. to obey. <laughs> but, uh, getting back... It's just, I'm going to be his... I'm going to be the mummy's cat. <laughs> okay. Reincarnated cat. <laughs> the funniest thing about The Dead Don't Die... Um, is that apparently Iggy Pop wanted motivation for his zombie? Yeah, they gave him a and, motivation too. Yeah, and Jaramush came up with it on the spot. About oh, you were coming home from Woodstock when you got hit by a truck, and you know, I'm like, okay, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, this is, um, yeah, it, it it's it's a. Uh, I love Jim Jarmusch. I love the fact that, that, that his films are almost totally tension-free. Yeah, that's not what his movies are about at all. So you, about... you can just you can just let go of that when you go when you watch one of his movies, or if or you should let go of that <laughs> of that and... of that of anticipating <laughs> that or desiring it. <laughs> and much like um, much like Alex Cox. He really likes casting musicians. In his, he we would not have Tom Waits as an actor if Jim Jarmusch didn't say, "I want to put you in uh, Down by Law." Can I put you in Down by Law? Well, I I gotta say, like reading, I mean, it's Alex Cox's book, so it's very, yeah. um, it's it's written from his point of view, but. Mm -hmm. And 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 actually though this is this is something I get more from low budget directors and stuff, but like Jarmusch, he's probably somebody actors you know he's it sounds like his sets are pretty fun even the more troubled sets are pretty are are pretty free of like like weird like they're not like he's not a big ego you know he's he's sort of more in he's very into the collaboration aspect of it. And you know, with Jarmish, that with both of them, that approach, they they obviously have like actors who are like loyal to them, you know, who want to come there because you like uh, having a fun set is <laughs> reflects well, in a movie. But this, I almost don't want to call this a movie. <laughs> Because it, it, it just, it's so, yeah, like, like Jaramush, it has that we're not worried about things like story. On the other hand, they were not worried about things like story 
so much that that it's too loose to contain itself. If that makes well, sense, it, it pairs it. Da- it has all. It it has all the elements in it for a story. It has mm-hmm. a story per se, just as it, just because it has so many people sort of divided into groups with sort of goals to them. But like most of the goal is like we're badasses, and there's other badasses, and there's you know there's the money. These guys have money, and you know we want to find the get get their money or whatever. But all that does none of it all of it that all that really matters the only thing that you're waiting to see in this movie is how does everybody get how and if every does everybody get wasted in this movie and that's really i mean the you know the start when when the movie concludes you go okay i really didn't have to like keep track of all of all of that you know the you know mm-hmm. the and i got to say their squib effects their their mm-hmm. their their bullet shots are uh, honestly like some of the best squibs and bullet stuff I've seen in a, in a long time. It, mm-hmm. it they capture some of the stuff that like you, when you see CG blood and and bullet hits these days, it's they get you know you capture a, a spurt of blood perfectly going where you want it to in the camera. He was doing this with squibs. There's there's a great shot where somebody gets shot, falls out of screen, and you just see a couple squirts come up, you know, all in one shot. And I look at that and I'm like, yeah, they didn't do that in post with CG like they would. You, you're so used to thinking that these days, uh, and you know, where where the where be part fair, of the guys, huh? To be fair, we since we're we're looking at the 2010 director's cut. There are some sequences that use CGI blood spatter. Really? Yes. God damn it. <laughs> I was so proud of him. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there are some, you know, he used, because there was some violence he wanted to do that he couldn't do in 87. Well, it looked so. nice. <laughs> well, yeah. There's, there's, but... some head, there's good headshots in it, and it's just mm-hmm. generally... Without being super gory, you know, it's not over the top gore. It's just, it's just nice, nice squib looking stuff. But yeah. But this thing is, um, I, it's definitely not for everyone. Uh, I have a feeling that the distributors thought they were going to, um, have a midnight movie on their hands and they could have i think if if spaghetti westerns were more popular at that time Mm -hmm. but i don't think they were i don't think they really started hitting any kind of public knowledge till pride quentin tarantino a little bit you know there was there was actually there was a little bit of a resurgence around this time because they would turn up Especially the the Clint Eastwood ones would turn up on like HBO mm-hmm. a lot, so there there was there was but you know, it was mostly like the Clint Eastwood style. There wasn't you know there wasn't anybody going like, ooh, this movie's paying tribute to Carbucci. Let's go uh, yeah, check it out. I, I think you're right there. I think it wasn't until um, the until Tarantino and directors of his class. 
started talking about the quote-unquote garbage cinema that inspired them, that made people curious to go back and look at the spaghetti westerns. And like um, and like Jallos and stuff like that. Yeah. That were all sort of, sort of like like Italian westerns and Italian horrors were always sort of like, just like put in the lurid lurid trash sort of care, you know, overly sexual and violent lurid trash category with with yeah. loud loud you know pumping music and and bad dubbing and stuff and and like just basically just basically cruising past all the the great stuff about them you know although a lot of that stuff is the great stuff about them also when when you factor Uh, in as a whole but the thing was alex cox was into spaghetti westerns uh almost his whole life i mean the first time we have any knowledge of him is when he writes this massive text on the genre of, sp- of spaghetti westerns uh, i think this even predates uh, repo man so i'd, like to, I'd uh, like to find that and read that it used to be i don't know if it's still the case that if you could if you go to his website you can download the manuscript version oh scanned in from his typewritten pages and it's very hard to read um I'm, I'm going to be very honest with you it is very hard to read but it is readable yeah, some people might have some nice uh jpeg to text right. <laughs> software supposedly the the um the book itself got got officially released in 2008 and it's called 10,000 ways to die along with his his autobiography x films true confessions mm-hmm. of rap filmmaker the same year uh he's also written this i'm dying to see um he did in 2017 a dissert a, a book about the prisoner yeah, I've after I got his auto. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. After I got his autobiography, I went to e- eBay to see what else he had mm-hmm. gotten, and I and I saw all those books. They are so expensive. They're they they must have been small print runs because a lot of them are like fifty, sixty dollars. Right. But he has a lot of. He's written in a lot of books. He's had a few books written about him, and he also teaches film. He's a film teacher, mm-hmm. and. Uh, there's there's some company there basically uh, maybe it was set up for his class but you can right. go and it's it's i think it's 80 dollars, and you get like nine or ten uh, the nine or ten books that you need for for film class with alex cox which is like mm-hmm. so uh, a couple of his books you know because you're probably talking about his movies during during class and and stuff but you know uh, it was but it was a very it was a combination of a solid basis of, you know, this is this is the the basis of filmmaking, and then it was all rebel stuff. <laughs> so he probably has a great class. <laughs> I am, I, I'm looking at his uh, 
filmography right now. I am really, really uh, curious to see his um, Tombstone Rashomon. Yes. Yes, I think that, I think um, that might be the, uh, after, after Straight to Hell, he got invited to do an episode of, uh, you know, it was, it sounded like it was that horror master, like, remember that horror master show yeah. and, and they would, they would, it and they asked him to do one and he said, well, which one of my, he was like, I'm the only American director to do this. He's like, which one of my movies would you do you want it to be like if they said straight to hell without a pause so i'm guessing maybe that's where that originated it's a spin-off it was going to be a spin-off of it was going to be a spin-off of tales from the crypt i know which i know what you're talking about i can't remember its name but anyway um, yeah, I want I want to see the um, the made for TV the the Spanish made for TV motorcycle mm-hmm. cop or highway highway cop. I hear that's really really good. Right, highway patrolman. El highway patrolman. Patrol- yes. Um, but yeah, now this is a. Uh... The one thing you can't deny, even though you and I may differ on how well it hangs together, uh, is what something that you said. Everybody is having a ball. Everybody is just enjoying the crap out of themselves. And I think that's what dro- drove me through this most recent rewatching. I I, I mean, like really, like the. the... The only character like I liked as a character is Cy Richardson. Mm. Is the only right. one who's like I, I, I like this guy. I don't want him to die. Uh, but like, other than that, it was mostly just sort of like enjoying his his like an irreverent take on all the tropes of it. it right down to they had the scene at the end when Dick Rude dies, where he's got the fly on his lip. And I'm like, how did they keep that damn fly on his lip? He's talking, the fly's just hanging out there. I wonder if they, like, glued the fly to his lip because it's sort of moving around a little bit. But <laughs> mm-hmm. either way, it was it was great, you know? There, there were, It's just full of little touches and stuff like that. But it's not, it, yeah, it's not, if you're going in it expecting the experience of Repo Man or Sid and Nancy, mm-hmm. I, it's best not to have that expectation. You you'll get little bits. You'll get little. It's fun. There's definitely you know a little merger of those two worlds into this movie. It's almost like he took both of those movies and just sort of mushed them into a a, a quickly made spaghetti western. So as that, it's it's a riot. I'm surprised. I'm looking at, at Alex Cox's wiki bi- biography. Um, and I'm surprised that it does not mention probably his his weirdest credit that he wrote a arc for the Godzilla comic from Dark Horse in the in the nineties in nineteen ninety six. Oh, interesting. Did did they use it? 
Yeah, no, he did. It was oh. it was um it was a basically there was a villain with an with a monocle named Professor Mason who got control of Godzilla and he had a time machine. So he sent Godzilla back through time to do things. It was a very weird, weird, weird moment. I hope so. Uh, because he was a big Godzilla fan. He even was the the narrator of a Godzilla um, documentary that was made in 2007. Huh. It was, but yeah, he... Give him credit. He's one of the... He's no, one he's... Of these... He sort of fell off the radar, but he's never been inactive. He's never been like when he wrote that when he wrote this book, which is I think it was around 2008 or something like that. It came out, you know, the beginning of it. He's like, I don't think there's a future for film. I think the the new film is going new film genres are going to be created by hackers. (laughs) Hackers are the new the you know, so he was right off that, like, he was like, okay, the punks are not, okay, what's next after punks? Hackers. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the thing, the thing that I will give Alex Cox credit for is he's one of those handful of directors who managed to avoid being subsumed by the, by the mainstream system. Yeah, no, he sort of, and he also, amazingly enough, if, from reading this book, did not, is not cynical about it i don't think he ever cared to be he sort of he sort of came out of the california film school in in the sort of tail end around you know when like lucas and those guys were getting big and and you know he loved it he was like everybody was you know they just let you do your own thing you just had to have your own project and people were getting away with murder and you could Mm -hmm. still go and film around and and not you know get get arrested and and stuff like that, and he's just managed to to keep this positive attitude because I don't think he gets. I don't think he sweats the money as much. I think he's just like he's he's very realistic about the. I don't think he's ever cared to you know that he's trying to follow a path to where he gets that hundred million dollar budget. You know, mm-hmm. and and. And and do things. It's funny. He quotes John Waters a lot, and and he he yeah. and John Waters share a lot of a lot of philosophy. But he also differs from him in, uh, a lot. But it's it's funny that one of you know one of his main you know references when he talks about filmmaking is is John Waters. You know, and and he is he he's just a fan of the low budget um, filmmaking experience, and he sort of it seems to just have. For somebody who's like known as a rebellious punk rock director, you know, he's not like raging against anything. You know, he's he he's he's like, I want to make my movies, and uh, you know, I have, you know, realistic. He has realistic ideas about what he can do and what he can't do, and how he has to do it. And it seems to have he seems to have come out still unscathed as an artist he's not just you know railing against the hollywood system he doesn't like it but he's mm-hmm. and and he's not and he's not you know bitter that he's never been able to do what he wanted to do or whatever he's he's mm-hmm. made 10 movies so far so yeah i'm i'm i i'm you know- I, I'm beginning to think you're enjoying this too much. 
I, I, I've been having fun lately, haven't I? Uh, that can't, can't stand. That can't stand. Maybe I've been too merciful. I know where this leads. Virginia, go into Vault 1976. Bring out Carry On Kong. Oh no, I heard about this. I mean, I like monkey movies, but I heard about this one. Known as Queen Kong. Oh, I heard about this one. It's not pleasant. Alright. There we go. Here you go. Just put it right in. I, I don't care how radioactive it is. Put it in his hand. <sighs> and I will see you in one month's time. Until then, you must go! <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Wake up, I need a no blood in my hand.